Why did I call you apostates? Huh? I'll, I'll give you a biblical reason. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. From among yourselves. Earlier he says there will be those that come from the outside. Who knows where that passage is? You're close, but no banana. (laughs) Oh, no, Acts 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is he speaking to? Yeah, right, right. What a warning. What a warning. Uh, One of the magazines, I was just reflecting on how many of the Christian magazines have gone by the board. They just don't. How many of you read Moody Monthly? Yeah, I used to give away subscriptions when I first was a Christian. Well, Eternity Magazine, remember that one? Yeah. Uh, one of the ones that is new one that has started out is called. It's only about two into two years. The Prophecy Watcher, and uh, it's it usually has a good article or two in it. Uh, but I, I found this article by Andy Woods, wonderful prophecy writer, great scholar. Um, he was a lawyer, and then he he, be, he moved into the area of theology. Uh, very much similar to who else did that? We studied him, uh, or, or, or we referred to him. Uh, Mark Hitchcock, heard of Mark Hitchcock? Great prophecy teacher. Uh, he, pardon? Yeah, he and Andy Woods are cut out of the same cardboard. Uh, both lawyers, they've got that analytical mind. Anyway, uh, Andy Woods has written this article, a uh, three-part article, The Last Day's Apostasy of the Church. It's an incredible article. Uh, and in this article he says this, he says, another point to understand about apostasy is that it represents a massive New Testament subject. Surprisingly, apostasy is one of the most frequently mentioned subjects in all of the New Testament. In fact, it is difficult to read much of the New Testament before in, uh, encountering warnings concerning apostasy. For example, such warnings are found in the Gospels, Mark, thir- Matthew 13, Acts chapter 20, which we read from here, the Pauline letters, Romans 16, Galatians 1, 6 through 9, 2 Corinthians 11, Philippians uh, 3, 2 and 18, Colossians 2, 8, 1 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy uh, three and four, Titus one ten, and the general and the general epistles, Hebrews two one through four, uh, and on and on. Second Peter two and three, Jude, First John four one through six. The early chapters of the Apocalypse also reveal the reality of apostasy. 
Revelation 2 and 3 describes seven letters to seven churches in, in Asia Minor. Five of these seven churches are in need of rebuke from Christ due to their apostate condition. Interesting, entire New Testament books were written solely for the purpose of warning believers concerning apostasy. Galatians was written in order to warn against the Judaizers. Colossians was written for the purpose of warning Christians about the Colossian heresy. Hebrews was written to keep the audience from leaving the full revelation of Christ and lapsing backwards into Judaism. Both Jude and Second Peter were warnings as, a, as warnings concerning apostasy. And so it is. Uh, we come to one of the books that itself is um, one of the major themes is, is, is apostasy. And um, that's the book of Galatians. Does anybody know what modern day country where Galatians is in relation to the modern day pardon Turkey Turkey. right right well whereabouts in Turkey uh, is Galatians well that that's a major question now I'm going to pass out to you do you believe in the northern theory or the southern theory I don't know (laughs) I take the southern theory you take the southern theory good for you good for you Uh, I need a couple of you probably I'm going to pass you out a packet of materials here and uh, I think there's enough for each one of you Uh, I don't think you have to you couples don't have to bunny up necessarily Now, don't take this don't take this apart because we're going to go through this page by page. Yeah, you can keep the little clip. Thank you. Yeah. And the paper clips. Now, this this right here to start with on the front page, you can see. Uh, where Galatia is. Now, there is a northern segment of it and there's a southern segment of it. So, now this is a this is a pretty neat map, the first one, but there's only one problem with it and that is it doesn't go far enough north, but it, this is really a, a pretty nice map. So, uh, it does show you the area of South Galatia. Okay, let's go to the next one. The next map is, uh, it shows you a little bit more of uh, the extension of Galatia. Does Galatia go up to the Black Sea, according to this map? No, it doesn't. And those two areas up there, Bithynia and Pontius, Paul at one time or another were forbidden to go into that area. And at one stage, he was uh, forbidden to go into Asia and you see where Asia is there uh, that area Uh, so this is a little better map it shows you uh, the environments but you can see the extension north and south of Galatia 
Now, the next map, this is really a neat map. Um, when I found this, I thought, oh joy. Now, it shows you the extent of Galatia, and it shows you some of the modern cities, and it shows you the, uh, the cities. Now, this doesn't give you the actual layout of, of the journeys of Paul itself. But it shows you, the nice thing about this map is it shows you the different regions that are referred to as you're reading the uh, book of Acts. Uh, Iconium, Lystra, Derby are, are all uh, uh, part of Lyconium. Uh, and uh, look down in, uh, down below that to the region of Cilicia. Do you see Cilicia? And what famous city is there? Tarsus. Tarsus. What's famous about Tarsus? Saul. Saul. That, that's his... Uh, was he born there? Or did he just reside there? Okay, we'll have to look that up. Okay, but that's a, this is a neat map. Uh, because it gives you those regions like that. And... Uh, uh, and, and they're referred to like Lyconia, Phrygia. Um, anyway, that's for your reference. Now, the next map, the next page, uh, shows us the journeys of Paul. And you'll see that in the first missionary journey, uh, he made it into... Uh, the regions of Galatia. Uh, now, referring back here, uh, where is Antioch on this map? Oh, it's in, in Pisidia. And Pisidia... Uh, Pisidia is actually in Galatia as well. Uh, so uh, that those are the areas of uh, in his first missionary journey. Would that be part of northern Galatia or southern Galatia? Southern, southern right. Uh, the the second mission, next chart is the journeys of Paul uh, in the second missionary journey. And he did go through those regions again and to the Galatians. Now, let me, let me say this about northern Galatia. There are three main towns that, uh, are, that are in northern Galatia. And those are never mentioned or referred to in any of the Pauline writings. Um, but there are some pretty strong arguments, uh, pro and con, uh, for either the northern theory or the southern theory. Meaning, meaning he went up there to the north? Pardon? Meaning that he went up there to the north? Is that weird? Yeah, there are some that say that, uh, that, he, that he visited those... Uh, those cities even though they're unnamed in the north okay. now we'll get into that a little bit down the road here 
but how does this reflect upon uh, the book of Galatians itself? Well, this next next map, next chart, is the time of the Galatians. Now, uh, you'll see that on this map, he, it starts here and it says, uh, there from the far left, Paul's first missionary journey. And it gives you the approximate date. And then after that, Galatians is written. Uh, if if it's the southern if if it's the southern Galatia uh, if southern Galatia is actually what's being referred to, and then following that there is the Jerusalem Council in what what chapter? Of, pardon? 15. Yeah, right. Acts 15, and then after the uh, Jerusalem Council, Paul makes his secondary journey. And it's thought that uh, if you if this is where uh, uh, he, he traveled and uh, went up to the northern part, then he then Galatians is written. If so, uh, if he traveled into northern Galatia, and we'll get into that a little bit more and tell you where to find out a little more about that. So that would be on his. Um, uh, so he wrote. Uh, uh, that's after the second missionary journey. Okay, let's go over to the next one. This is kind of a neat, neat uh, map. And I, I will bring a sample of all of the books that these came from uh, next Sunday, and, and you can take a look at them anyway. Uh, I'm not trying to promote be a bookseller, but uh, I think we owe it to these authors to at least parade their wares. And there's some really good stuff here. This is really out of a, a beautiful book. The chart and, says uh, that birth was in Tarsus. Pardon? The chart does say birth in Tarsus. Does say what? On your, it says birth in Tarsus. Paul was born in Tarsus. Oh, okay, okay, all right. That, and we'll have to take his word for it. But he doesn't have a scripture reference on it, does he? <laughs> he had to be born in some Roman city. Yeah, right, right. Okay, so here's chronology of Paul's life, and we'll bring that bring that book uh, next Sunday and show it to you. Beautiful, big, thick uh, book on on uh, everything about Paul that you want to know. Now, uh, the paperclip section. What is Galatians all about? This is a little introduction to uh, the book as a whole. What is Galatians about? Who wrote Galatians? You, you can, afterwards, you can read this. To whom was Galatians written? And that has to do, of course, with uh, the two places, northern Galatia or southern Galatia. And when was it written? Well, it depends on where you choose, north or south. And why was it written? And he gives you reasons there. What does Galatians contribute to our understanding of faith? So you can you can read that at your leisure. Now, let me say, I'm going to give you an assignment. You ready for this assignment? All right. Now, I believe that I have passed out to all of you and made available to you a copy of the Nelson New Illustrated Bible Commentary. Remember that? Remember that? Y'all got a copy of that? Remember we got a copy? 
Rodmacher? Yeah. Yes. If you if we don't have it, we've got uh, there's one here and there's one back there. And how about the Bible knowledge commentary? You all got a cop, yeah. set of that? Yeah. Anybody not have a set of that? Everybody, Willie. I gave you a set of that. I thought I did. The Bible knowledge commentary by Wolver. Gwen, come and get this set. Then after, there's another set back there. So if you don't have that, now here's your assignment. Go over to Book of Galatians and read the introductory matters, and, and try to do that uh, fairly early as we get in further into the Book of Galatians. It'll re really help you, and it'll elaborate on uh, why and so forth with regard to the uh, Northern and Southern Galatian and, uh, theory, and, uh, and and so forth. Now, sooner or later if you get into uh, reading about Paul and the his Pauline theology you're going to run into this phrase the new perspective on Paul and um, what did I do I didn't give myself a copy of that Anyway, uh, that's the last article. And you can take that and at your leisure, you can read what's... Uh, that's a good introductory article. Um, and I think it's... Uh, I think this new perspective thing shows a... too much of an absorption with background material. And not enough... Uh, in fact, it owes its origin to a man who was just totally absorbed with a study of, uh, uh, of, of this, E.P. Sanders. And I don't know if you've heard of a man by the name of N.T. Wright. He's, uh, he's an advocate of sorts of this. And, and it mentions them, him in the article. So... Uh, with that said, with that background, uh, you you can you've got some reading to do and some studying to do to make horse sense out of the book of Galatians. Now, let's get to the book itself um, and the first chapter to which we've been assigned. So I'm going to need a couple of you guys to. Uh, pass these out. One of that kind and one of this. These are two visualizations of the book of Galatia. One of them I put together a number of years ago when I was... Uh, using the overhead projector and uh, was teaching uh, the book and uh, my goal was to have a, a, a good chart on every book of the Bible and I pretty much uh, 
pretty much made it all the way through the New Testament and a good portion of the Old Testament, but I never did quite finish the Old. Now, this this is the chart that we made in relation to that. And uh, this chart, uh, this man has uh, just come out with it, his book on the New Testament on... Uh, His name is Scott Bashore, and uh, I'll, br- I'll bring the copy of the book that that came from. And he's got charts as well on the whole of the New Testament. But this gives you an overview so you can kind of follow along as we're going through the book. And uh, he, the key theme of the book, is, there in heavy black letters, is the gospel its source, its defense, and its ought, as you can see. So the book is made up of an apology, and then an argument of what it is, and then appeal of what it what ought to what it ought to do. Now, you see in the first section, its authenticity. It is genuine as to its origin. Uh, Paul, <coughs> Paul's. Uh, uh, the gospel, according to what Paul gives, is it's gen, it's genuine with regard to its origin. It's a vindication, uh, and, and he starts out. It, it's really an in-your-face book, and he starts right out and uh, tells them that they're turning away from the true gospel, and it's very much biographical with regard to chapters 1 and chapter 2. It's personal narrative, pretty much, and it has to do here in chapter 1 with Paul's apostleship. So, what is um, the gist of this? Let's let's go over to um, let's go over to this first chapter and we will spend a little time here. Now he starts off here in uh, verses 1 through 5 of this chapter. <coughs> I call it the, uh, after a John Butler, he has wonderful outlines and he calls it the commencement of Paul in Galatians 1 through 5. And I'm going to just uh, I'm just going to read this uh, in first five verses. Paul, an apostle, not from men, through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me. The the men are identified. So he greet, he's the greeter and those who are greeted to the churches of Galatia. Of course, that opens a great question. What are those churches of Galatians that he's referring to? Grace and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from the present evil age. To 
key words. Giving and deliver. What do we need to be delivered from? What does the text say? Present evil age. From this present evil age. Do you believe that? You read that when you read your look at your newspaper? Or even watch Fox News or whatever it is? It's an evil age we live in the midst of. An evil age. And we need deliverance from it. How can we find deliverance from this evil age? If you get too much absorbed with what's going on, if you're, you know, what do you reach for first? The Tacoma News Tribune or the Word of God? Uh, everything has got to be filtered by the Christian worldview that comes to us from absorption with the Scripture. Because we need deliverance from this evil age. Because it affects us as we travel through this life. According to the will of God our Father, to whom be uh, glory forever and ever. Amen. So, that has to do then with the uh, commencement of Paul in verses 1 through 5. Okay, let's see if I can get back on my page here. And then we come to uh, verses six through. Okay, now his concern uh, begins at verse 6 and it continues on down to uh, verse 12. And let's go over and take a look at that. starts out and he says I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel which is not another but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But if we are an angel from heaven 
preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to him, to you, let him be accursed. What word do we get accursed from? Anathema. Have you heard of anathema? And he says, let him be accursed. Now that's really in your face, isn't it? He says, if, if one deviates. As we said before, so now I say again to you, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, other than what you have received, let him be accursed. So what is the gospel? That's the question. Let me just show you, just by way of introduction, I will have an extensive paper for you next week showing you the different ways that the word gospel is used. Now many people think that the substance of the gospel is found in 1 Corinthians 15. And I'm not convinced that that refers to uh, how you get to heaven and the, the content of it. Uh, but uh, we'll elaborate on that in the, uh, in the paper. Uh, if you read it closely and carefully and analyze uh, the words, you'll, you'll see that it isn't quite measuring up. Uh, to that that message. In fact, uh, just by way of, of teasing you a little bit, go through and count the number of words that are related to the different subjects mentioned in the opening of 1 Corinthians 15. And you'll see that it's really an apologetic for the resurrection. But um, let's look back at, and take a look at verse 6. And what does he accuse them of? Turning away from a different gospel. Now, look down. I, I, I'm just going to show you a few things here that are kind of interesting. Uh, verse 8, he says, If we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you. Uh, anybody know what the Greek word for angel is? Angelos. Okay? Sounds like angel, sort of. Angelos. Um, <coughs> and it, it really means a messenger. And that's why, you know, angels predominantly... In, uh, in the Gospels are messengers, messengers of, of God. So that's the word for angel, uh, angelos. Uh, and if you come to uh, what he starts with here, he says uh, a, a different Gospel. You'll notice... Um, Let me pronounce the word gospel for you. Euangelion. Euangelion. And what that what that means, a gospel, what what does gospel mean? Good news. And uh, it grows out of this word message, message, uh, messenger. Uh, it means a good message. It takes the word you, which means well, good, or fine, and attaches it to 
the word angelos, and so it means a good message. So that's what <coughs> that's what is <coughs> involved there. <coughs> now, one other word. Come down to verse eight. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach. Now, that word for preach is euangelizo. And what that is, is the verbal form of the good message. So preaching or evangelizing involves this message of good news. Now, just with those three items in mind, um, we can uh, we can look and, and see basically what the substance of the gospel is. But uh, what needs to be done, and what what needs to be done, is you need to go through and look at all of the references to gospel to see that it's a far more flexible term than we usually invest in it. We think of the gospel, that, that's a way to get to heaven. That's only part of it. That's only part of it. And, and the good news uh, is, uh, far, is used in a far more extensive way than just that. It is. It is. Uh, that's part of what is involved in the gospel. But uh, it's used in some different ways. But he says, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Is there time going here? For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. You need to be on your guard. He, he's saying um, that he's not going to be led by the tradition of men, or uh, as he continues here in verse 11, he says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. It didn't come, humanly speaking. And he elaborates and explains in verse 12, For I neither received it from man, nor was taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, we'll find farther along down here that early on, Paul spent some time, perhaps alone, in what what area? Pardon? Arabia. Arabia. Uh, it doesn't tell us explicitly how long. It says that he was there there in Arabia and Damascus for three years. It doesn't it doesn't give an indication of how long in each place or what uh, in the Gospels. But it, we do know that there was time alone. Uh, there are some that think that uh, his out of body experience uh, maybe took place there. Uh, We'll not go into that. 
but we do know that, uh, but he, he said it came through revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, it, it was revealed to him uh, by our Lord Jesus Christ. And he, 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 he explains, he says, uh, this is a contrast. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it and advanced in Judaism, Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But traditions can be a killer. How many things do we hold to as tradition? How many things that we believe are, are just traditions? Now, he, he talks about his former conduct in Judaism. Listen to what um, our Lord Jesus said uh, in regard to uh, this, what's going to take place. Uh, he says in John chapter 16, these things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God's service. Did Paul do that? He did. He did. He was on site. Uh, some say he was holding Stephen's coat when Stephen was martyred. But he consented to what, to what took place. And Paul himself uh, writes this um, over there. Um, let's see where that is over in um, Acts chapter 26 in verse 9. And he says, Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and punished them often in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme, being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them, even to foreign cities. Is there uh, any reason why he shouldn't be described as the mad dog of Benjamin? <laughs> he certainly was. Uh, but, thank God for the intervention um, in what has taken place in his life. Uh, verse 15 uh, actually starting at verse 13 uh, on to the end of the chapter we see the change in Paul what a contrast 
there there is in change of him. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Verse 17, there's a contrast in that chapter a sub the contracts the substance Jerusalem or Arabia where did he go did he go to Jerusalem at first no he went into Arabia and returned again to Damascus and then in verse 18 then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days but I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed, before God I do not lie. This is an oath he is taking. This is an oath he is taking. The, the, the framework of this, uh, of this assertion that he makes. Um, you make an oath like this and break it. You would stand under the curse of God immediately and directly and then afterward I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and Cilicia was uh, his home uh, Tarsus is in Cilicia and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea which were in Christ <coughs> but they were hearing only he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he tried to destroy and they glorified God in me and so the chapter ends they glorified God in me what a change uh, what a what a profound uh, difference in, in his life now he goes on biographically into the next uh, the next chapter and continues then after 14 years and so forth. I'm, I'm not going to go into that. I'm just going to uh, refer you back to that one uh, that one chart that gives the uh, this one when it gives you a breakdown chronologically of uh, um, of, of Paul's life and, and where. Uh, actually he doesn't refer directly uh, from as far as we can ascertain in the book uh, to his um, his first missionary journey so he's agitated he's agitated about how uh, how the gospel is being departed from by adding things to it. Now, I'm not going to get into the, the substance of, of, of that uh, because he'll elaborate on that further in uh, chapter 2 and particularly in chapters 3 and 4. But let, let me say today, I, I see a very subtle tendency today of 
things being smuggled back into uh, the gospel itself, the good news that we are saved by grace alone. I read an article recently on uh, a man who struggled with uh, trying to gain assurance of salvation and the man who was dealing with him just kept quoting to him Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And he, he quoted it to him over and over. Every time they would have a discussion and he would raise something, he says, well, this is what Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says. And, and he says, finally, you know, he says, it sunk into me. And I, uh, that's when I really got assurance of salvation. Uh, he said I was trying it's it, it just an, a, a form of of uh, we ought to have assurance and if we just stake it on the likeness of Ephesians 2 8 through 10 uh, we'll have it uh, but you try to add anything to it in, in subtle forms and, and there are some subtle forms uh, that are being advocated today uh, you have to believe in Jesus Christ not only as Savior but you have to believe in him as Lord well I believe that we should believe in him as Lord but uh, if you if that means that I have to obey and follow a pattern of life or demonstrate look friends some people come to know the Lord and they are transformed like Paul was I mean, they, there's no difference between, between them. But there's some people that come to Christ and they struggle. And they struggle hard and uh, for whatever reason. But you can't expect that everybody is going to fall follow the Pauline example. And, and there, there is a struggle in the Christian life. And in the Christian walk, and some of some people have a real problem um, with regard to uh, uh, walking in newness of Christ. Uh, don't cookie cutter the Christian life in that matter of fashion. But we need to be on our guard. We need to be on our guard and be alert to the fact that. Uh, as Paul says here in uh, Acts chapter 20 therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock stuck into the elders of the church in Ephesus among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood for I know this that after my departure savage wolves will come in among you those from the outside not sparing the flock also from among yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears so what is Paul talking about in this first chapter he's talking about an attack upon the gospel which he had received. You see, his, in an absolute sense, his authority as an apostle 
that's being challenged. And the message of the gospel as part of that is being challenged. So it's an attack upon the authority, ultimately the authority of scriptures. We'll get down into the book of Galatians. You'll see that the, the message of the gospel, of the true gospel, is based on the Old Testament. It's based on scripture. It's based on scripture itself. And uh, the, the authority of... Uh, Paul demonstrates in, in Galatians that his authority and his apostleship was from, from the Lord. Um, the apostles had unique authority, but as that uh, as the New Testament was circulated and written and the apostles passed away, uh, the authority then became in their witness that is the Word of God. That is the authority that we we hearken to to this day. So let's take continue to take heed to ourselves and be aware of any kind of subtle, insidious, satanic attack that Christ might bring to impugn the authority and the integrity of the Word of God. Lord, we thank you for your grace, goodness, and mercy to us. And we just ask your blessing now upon uh, these matters as we give heed to them as you may tarry in the days to come to fortify ourselves against these false teachings and the apostasy which we see will heighten as we approach the final days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Ken. So we'll close our time this morning with the steadfast love of the Lord. Of course, these words, uh, greatest thy faithfulness, come from the book of Lamentations, written by Jeremiah, after the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. And Jeremiah would say, great is thy faithfulness. Thank you all, and we'll see you next week.